Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context podcast. Today we have uh, our special guest, Matthew Spanler-Davison. He is a pastor uh, over in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. He's a good friend of ours. And uh, rather than me waffle on and tell you everything he does, we'll ask Matthew to introduce himself. How are you doing, brother? Hey, good thanks, Ian. Um, yeah, uh, so so actually a, a pastor, a church, Redeemer Fellowship Church, which is just outside of Louisville, a place called Bardstown, Kentucky, which is the uh, bourbon capital. So if anybody drinks bourbon, Jim Beam, Maker's Mark, Heaven Hill, Buttons, all that stuff, uh, it's it's all from right around here. And uh, you can smell it in the air around here. Um, so planted a church here, moved here to go to seminary, uh, at Southern Seminary in Louisville, and then planted a church while I was at seminary because I got bored and um, and still have the joy to be a preaching elder at that church today. And um, and yeah, so get to know you through the work that we do at 28 Schemes and um, ministry church on places through Acts 29. Yeah, so yeah, you're a husband, you're a father, a planter, you're now a, a preaching elder. And like you've just said, you're, you're director of 20 Schemes and uh yeah i don't even know what your role is in acts 29 now what, what is that um as of this week the vice president for global outreach it sounds really fancy doesn't it <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta call me mr vice president there needs to be like a, a fanfare so i come in and email. So. Yeah, yeah definitely and a nice red carpet when you turn up for the 20 schemes weekend <laughs> yeah good luck with that good luck. <laughs> yeah. have to go uh, yeah so you, you, you've got a lot on your plate. Uh, you, you've you've doing a lot of work with 20 schemes. Uh, whenever I see you, you you've just either landed uh, or you're about to take off in a plane. You do plenty of miles flying. Uh, so don't, don't tell don't tell Greta Thunberg. <laughs> no, yeah. Your carbon footprint, big foot. <laughs> yeah. But, so what what is church in our places, and what is your role within that? What is that you do? Yeah, so I mean, so, I mean, Sunset Church now places again like, a little bit got Sunset Twenty Schemes. So when uh, Mez and I started Twenty Schemes almost ten years ago, uh, we're thinking specifically at that point about church planting in the unengaged, unreached, uh, poorest communities of Scotland, which is where I grew up. That's I grew up just outside Aberdeen, Scotland. So always got a heart to see church planting in Scotland. So we started that work, but really, um, there's, there wasn't much happening. Um, just globally in terms of equipping church planters to think well about how to make disciples, how to do evangelism, how to plant churches, how to train leaders uh, from uh, our theological standpoint. So a high view of scripture, high view of preaching, high view of local church um, in areas of poverty. And so 20 Schemes is just Scotland. Acts 29, though, is a global community of churches. That's one thing I love about Acts 29. It's uh, you know, solid reform theology, complementarian, got a high view of the church, high view of preaching, um, and and yet it's global. So I can go to Australia, miss X Nine churches. I can go to England, miss X Nine churches. Here in Kentucky, miss X Nine churches. So so we didn't feel like we needed to start a global church planting movement for poor people. We can just go and uh, see about how we can um, help X Nine plant churches in poor communities around the world. So um, that's what Church on Places really began as. It's an initiative of Acts 29 uh, to, to train up indigenous leaders in poor communities globally to 
think well about how to plant churches there. And so I direct that initiative um, and tell you a whole lot more about what we do, but that's uh, kind of, so in many ways, I see everything I do is connected. Um, so, you know, church planter, pastor, preacher, um, but then the work we do in, in, in Scotland and then the work we do globally, it's all really about the same thing. It's equipping the church to think well about how to engage the poor. Awesome. <clears throat> so you've seen success in Scotland, which has encouraged you to try and uh, start this initiative around the world. So just share some of uh, the successes that you've seen. What is God doing throughout the world? What excites you and keeps you uh, motivated to get on those planes? <laughs> yeah. You spend more time in the air than you do on the ground, I think. So yeah. what motivates you to travel around these countries? To the Most people, when they go abroad, look for a, a sunny beach to sit on. You look for the poorest town to, to go. <laughs> in, in, the, in the slums. Um, you know... So, say we even talk about it. you say success to schemes. Yeah, I mean it's exciting to see what Lord's doing with Twitch schemes, but um, it really started as, as just nothing more than an idea. I remember when Mez and I were just thinking about 20 schemes, we, did, we didn't have anything. Um, we didn't have a bunch of people willing to back us, we didn't have a lot of money, we didn't have a major donor willing to fund us. It was literally just, you know, there, there are these unreached poor places all throughout Scotland. They need churches. So let's uh, let's think about how we can. Uh, shine a spotlight, raise the flag, and say, "Come and join us. Um, let's be a part of it." And then, and then we just saw God do something I think pretty special, um, perhaps unique in in the history of uh, looking throughout the history of Twitch schemes. In you know those early years, we saw some momentum building, and some um, churches got behind us, and donors got behind us, and some people decided to come and move and be a part of the work. And so. Um, Believe in the Lord's going to do it there. You can do it anywhere, um, and um, and so I believe that in, it's going to be true in England and, and Wales and uh, throughout the, the British Isles. But it's also we've seen it to be true globally. And so, uh, you know, if I'm talking to a church planter in a slum in sustained Nairobi, so there's a big slum there, Kibera, slum about a million people. I mean, this is this is deep poverty, poverty unlike anything in the UK. Um, and so people live on a dollar twenty-five a day. Um, you know, it's it's hand you know hand to mouth kind of existence. They don't know where the next meal is coming from. COVID lockdown to them was devastating. Um, many of this, they don't have the government kind of support system to kind of provide income for them when they can't get their food to market or they can't open their little um, store. Um, and so, what does it look like to to plant a church in that context? Mm. And there's been a lot of money. Christians pump so much money in communities like that. Um, doing what we call mercy ministry or you know these short-term mission trips or whatever there's so much money being pumped in to areas of poverty um, so it's not it's not because of a lack of money but the money is being I think misspent um, or being unwisely uh, directed um, because it's not really being directed towards investing in indigenous leaders and church planting and that's what we're seeking to do. So you're doing that. I've been involved a couple of times speaking with some of these pastors in West Africa, mm -hmm. uh, some in Australasia, uh, some in the US and South America. And it's, it's been an awesome privilege just to meet with these uh, pastors for an hour every now and again. What's it like on the ground when you go and visit them and spend time with them? Uh, I must be yeah, amazed. It's so, it's so encouraging. And so, so we have about... We're a little over 300 what we call the church in our places apprentices mm -hmm. um in 15 
cohorts in about 30 or odd countries, five different languages. Um, and these, so Church Now Places Apprentice is somebody who lives in an area of either deep poverty or an area that is remote or unengaged. And so that's, what we, that's how we define hard place. So poor or remote or unengaged. And I think unengaged, I'm thinking of unreached people groups, I'm thinking of hostile like uh, places of persecution. Um, so we have 320 church planting apprentices who are living in those communities seeking to see a church established there. But these are, these are um, fearless people, often joyful people, full of extraordinary faith. Um, uh, they have nothing but Christ, and yet Christ is enough and more than enough for them. And they have a heart for their communities. They have a heart to see. And I think of a good friend of mine, Gabriel, in Liberia, um, grew up in uh, deep poverty, war-torn Liberia. Liberia was... Um, uh, there was civil war for um, in the early in the 90s, early 2000s. Deep civil war, child child soldiers, refugees. Gabe was a refugee um, in a refugee camp. Gets saved, returns to Liberia, but he's saved under a false gospel, the prosperity gospel. He, here's enough of the gospel to know that Jesus is real and died on the cross, forgiveness of sins. But then he's he hearing all these heresies about the prosperity gospel, and so he starts preaching the prosperity gospel. Um, and sees a church of three or four hundred start to gather in uh, Monrovia, Liberia. But then he realizes actually he's, nobody's trained him, no one's discipled him. So he somehow finds my email address, he emails me um, and says, Look, I need to be trained. Um, and now I see Gabe, who's preaching a true gospel, who's preaching Christ centered expository sermons, who has revitalized his church. Many of his church members left because they were just looking for the kind of the hyper-emotionalism of the prosperity gospel. They left, but now he's got a true gospel-centered, Christ-exalting church in Monrovia. And now we get emails from other pastors who know Gabe and saying, hey, teach us to preach like this man. Um, and because they know that what he is saying is true. Um, and so I can tell many stories like that. Um, and one thing I love about, so next week I'll be in Malawi, next weekend, Lord willing. Um, doing the Church on Places workshop with uh, Robert Manda. Yeah, you know? Manda. <laughs> yeah. Manda. Um, and we'll have guys from Zambia, from Malawi, from, from the whole kind of Southern Africa region wow. doing a three-day intensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a few things we do in that intensive. We do intensive training. So we, we teach them expository preaching, teach them church planting strategy, and then we'll also teach them um, just the basics of discipleship and how to uh, read and teach the Bible. Uh, but then they preach and they present strategies and we get them feedback. So it's interactive. Um, but also it's important for these guys to get to know each other. Um, uh, many of them have never been able to travel and they've been able to leave their country before. Um, and so we want to bless them as well. We're going to give them a good time, make sure that we honor them, um, make sure we pray for them. But we want them to build a sense of community where they're at. And so it's not just about me and Robert and others coming to them and spending time. We want them to uh, have a sense of dignity but also a sense of community of other like-minded brothers who are doing similar work in the hard places, in their own cities or in their own countries. Um, and that's how you'll begin to see kind of this missional momentum building. It's not going to be us coming in, it's them equipping and supporting and praying for each other, which is exactly what we're seeing where you're at in, um, in England. Yeah. <clears throat> Exciting. So then we, we, we... You're supporting pastors in, in Liberia and Malawi and, and, and South America, yet you're also supporting pastors like myself here in the UK. So share a little bit about what's happening 
in, in Europe with church in our places? Yeah, so um, when I go to Malawi, I deal with all these excited, joyful people. I go to England. <laughs> and, and I sit in a room with all these church planners in England, and it's just like miserable. <laughs> it's like a circle of misery, all grumbling and complaining about. <laughs> um, you know, it's, 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 it's the same thing, though. So you can, if you do a ministry on housing estate in England, you, the, the challenges are the same. And so, yeah, the, the poverty looks different. Um, and the, there's certainly more resources open and available to um, those doing ministry in a place like England because you've got other you know, existing networks and you know, Bible colleges, there's conferences you can go to, there's books you can buy, there's courses you can enroll in online. So the, it's, not, it's not necessarily a lack of resources in a place like where you're at, uh, but it is, um, but I do think it is still a lack of um, uh, just real genuine peer-to-peer -peer support, encouragement, prayer. Now, I want a guy who's planting a church in on an estate in Bradford to feel like you are just as significant and important, and the work you do is just as valuable as the guy who's got the city center church with 300 people in it. Um, that, there's, that your church is, there's no such thing in the kingdom of God as a small church. Um, um, every church has dignity and value and worth in, in Christ's economy. And you know, Jesus, the blood that Christ shed, um, for the church and the bride of Christ in Middlesbrough is as valuable as anyone else. And so uh, the, the gospel is as powerful um, on, a, on a council estate in Swansea as it is in Sydney. And so there's no less power, there's no less value, there's no less um, uh, dignity to the work that we do. Uh, but, you know, it is messy and it's hard and the challenges are hard. And I think people who are doing ministry in hard places, they, it's, they often feel beat up, they feel alone, they feel discouraged. And so I hope that um, that what we do, with whether it is through X Ray Nine or whether it's through Meadows Ministries, Twenty Schemes there in Scotland, it just keeps people going, um, it keeps them from quitting, it keeps them from walking away uh, when it gets tough. And that happens through relationships, it happens through partnership, it happens through support. Um, and so we just the win for us is that these guys don't quit. Um, that you stick with it and whatever we have to do to make sure that these guys who are slugging it out um, discipling drug addicts and discipling people who are just coming out of abusive relationships and discipling um, you know young young men who don't have father figures in their lives um, uh, whatever it does to to keep them going um, when they have no support and when they're trying to pastor a church of 10 people and they're struggling to pay the bills when um, you know they're struggling even to raise their own children um, and they're battling with their own mental health battles. Um, our job is just to keep them in the trenches and to, to, to press on to bake and remain. That's my job. So I love doing. Um, and, and hopefully that's what Medis is going to be for, for many of these guys. Yeah, so it was exciting. We had 16 rather uh, grumpy church planters back in the summer, uh, September time. Uh, mind you, they didn't stay grumpy when Phil turned up with all the red wine. So, <laughs> no, no, it helps. Yeah, uh, but that we, we hired a big house in Gould, uh, Yorkshire. We had pastors from all around the UK meeting up, supporting one another, eating, drinking, praying, studying the Bible together. It was a, it was a great tonic for people who were feeling low, especially after COVID. It, yeah. it gave them that extra momentum to go back to the church and uh, that adrenaline to keep fighting in the trenches. Yep. like you say but that was kind of the start of Medhurst Ministries 
uh, official. We, we've been talking about Medivis Ministries for a couple of years. Uh, COVID impacted its start. Uh, but while we sat in this retreat together with, with uh, around 16 pastors, this is when we decided let's, let's really make this happen, isn't it? I mean, look, we just think about that. So you got 16 guys yeah. in, in the room from all over the UK. So Scotland, England, Wales. We had some guys supposed to come from Northern Ireland, but for some reason they didn't make it. But we come from all over the UK. Um, but all of them do ministry on council estates. Um, and that I think that's just extraordinary that you got these guys who all kind of showed up and their stories are the same, their challenges are the same. Um, but what they're used to doing is they used to go into conferences or retreats or uh, seminars, but they always feel like the odd man out. Um, they feel like there's a small man in the room, that their, their ministry is never going to meet up to everybody else's. And just the, the, the tonic of what happens when you, when you bring those guys together in one room and they share the same struggles, um, it's just, you can't replace this. Nothing that will replace that. It's just, just we're it. Let's, so let's encourage each other. Let's pray for each other. Let's spur each other on. Uh, to keep going this this and there are other guys like that out there just got to find out who they are and, and then i pray that others will go and be those guys who'll be willing to go and go into the hard places mm. and do that work so like <laughs> we've explained you're a, a preaching elder you're a director of 20 schemes you were vice president of uh, acts 29 it's not as if you haven't got enough to do so <laughs> why did you decide to also become a, a director of uh Medus ministries uh, well, you said two meetings a year and you'll provide the wine. That's correct. Um, I think, um, yeah, it's, I don't see like it's an, it's an addition. I think it's not like you're just adding more work to my plate. It's, it's what we're already doing. And, um, and whatever I can do to, to help uh, move that along, um, I believe I love, I lo love with the deep passion uh, the, the UK and, and, and the work that's happening in, in Great Britain. And I want to see a thriving, healthy uh, movement of churches that planted on council estates or grew up on a council estate um, in the UK. So, so there's, that's certainly deeply personal to me uh, to see it happen. Um, but yeah, I, want, um, uh, I pray that um, as we get this set. And also I do think it's helpful that you have somebody there who who's number one done this before um in terms of building and starting ministry but also has some um uh perhaps opportunities to build some partnerships outside the uk so i'm obviously i'm based here in the us um and uh i think it is important for ministry matters to be able to think outside the uk as well and so pray that there'll be a solid support that will come from the british church um but let's also see if there is some potential to build some support base more broadly outside the, U the uk as well mm. So, so what excites you about Medhurst and what do you think would excite uh, churches and pastors in the US about what we're doing through Medhurst? Um, you know, the, the thing that's always going to excite me and uh, I think is going to excite others is the stories we can tell, the people who are seeing um, lives transformed. You know, the, um, the, the, the girl that is, um, never really had a healthy relationship before that finds a faithful godly woman in her life it's going to disciple her and um that it's going to be a safe place for her to be open uh, with the the young guy that's um no one's ever really paid any attention to him but he's now got guys in his life that are, are going to support him and, and pray for him and uh, um, care well for him and, and then the leaders that emerge from those communities that we're going to train and disciple and equip to preach and to teach and to 
to be a part of a healthy church. And so it's it's the stories. They're, they're, uh, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in that God uh, has his elect out there. And so I've got to believe that when the gospel is preached and whatever scheme there is, whatever council of state there is, that people will be saved um, and that and that church will be planted if we are faithful to do that work. Um, and, and that's been the extraordinary thing about the work we've seen in Scotland is that they're a community, I can ask, worshiping at Bingham in Edinburgh a couple of uh, weeks ago and uh, where Gerald White is and um, just seeing, you know, I've been in that place many times. I've been in that building many times where there's been nothing, no church, um, just an idea. You know, people gathering to pray. And then I was in that building with 40 people, you know, singing their guts out poorly, but still singing their guts out. Um, uh, you know, these Christian songs and genuinely being affected and moved by the word of God. Um, we can't do that. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit will do it if if we're faithful and we keep preaching and and doing the work. You know, there's the story of New Life Middlesbrough. You know, it's hard. You know, so you look at it today and yeah, it may not be what you want it to be. It may still be a small um you know scrappy group of people um but you're still there and that's a miracle um you know there are people who where would they be if it wasn't for the word of god in their life where would they be if it wasn't for the fact that the spirit is, is at work um you know and just i get the the unusual kind of vantage point is that i kind of drop in every once in a while and so i'm like the um you know, the, the, the cousin lives overseas that just visits every year, but I kind of see how the kids are growing. Um, and so when I when I drop in and I see it, and I contrast it to what I saw a year ago, and I see evidence of growth and grace over that year, um, and it's such an encouragement. Um, but then you also see, you know, let's not downplay it, it's hard. There are people I saw a year ago who aren't there anymore. Yeah. Um, people that we um, had high hopes for a year ago that walked away or, or sadly maybe died from overdose. And so you, you also see the how the raw, um, gritty, uh, hard, dark, devastating reality of ministry in these places, and that's what spurs me on too, because I know that um, it's important that I stay in the game so that you guys stay in the game. Mm-hmm. So as we you know that the, to build that support system, to keep praying, to keep raising the flag, to say these guys need help. Um, and so, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, and again, what you said there uh, it reminded me again. Uh, is because you're flying in and out and it's maybe a year or two from your last visit you can see the growth what god is doing and encourage those who are feeling low because when you're there day by day you 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 can't see the wood for the trees and you can get discouraged it's only when somebody from the outside reminds you of, of of the goodness of god of the grace of god of what the holy spirit is doing of the of having the church of 300 isn't important but the longevity of a church of 10 is. Yep. And, and yep. these are just the simple things that we need to be minding of, isn't it? You know, when you read in uh, I said Revelation 3, so Jesus writing to the church in Philadelphia, and so he's just been rebuking the other churches, Sardis, you know, these big churches that think they've got it all, you know, they're, being imp- they're big and impressive, and he's rebuking them, saying you're lukewarm, spitting them out. Then he goes to the church in Philadelphia, and he calls it a little church uh, where the um, and he's not saying that derogatory, he's saying, well, this is how the community looks at you. You're little, you're beat up, you run down. Um, but that's the church who he loves. That's the church um, that he um, that he has a, a blessing for, that he encourages, and he says, I see your works, and they are good. Um, and I think we just be reminded that, that Jesus sees our works. Um, and it's not about what the, uh, you know, the 
conference speakers are, who gets the books published, or who um, uh, who has the who has the easiest run of this. It's it's not really important. Uh, what's important is is that the Lord sees our works and He is worthy. He is worthy. And so, but sometimes it does take somebody from the outside to keep reminding us of that. You know, it's, you know, the Lord sees this, and yeah, it's hard, but keep going. But it's also important to recognize that it's hard. You need help. You need people to come alongside. You do need people to maybe take you away for a retreat every once in a while um, and to, uh, to be an encourager to you because that's what the body of Christ does. We call the spirit each other on to love and good deeds. And so um, we do that together. And so I pray that Metis is going to do that for guys all across the UK. Um, and if the result of Metis is that we have you know, 20 churches across the UK and council estates, um, then praise God for that. Um, if those 20 churches are still just 10, 15, 20 people 10 years from now, that's still a win. It's definitely still a win. Um, and so we just keep our eyes on the prize. And the prize isn't the big church. The prize is Christ. Mm. And so we just keep our eyes on him. Amen. Yeah, oh, Matthew, it's been great uh, talking with you. Uh, I'm just disappointed it's not in person. It's not over a nice bottle of wine, but <laughs> that'll happen in January, won't it? We can get you on a plane. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm, I'm reading a cracking book. At the moment, uh, I think it's a servant heart of late. I can't remember. It's that good. I can't remember the title. <laughs> I'll put a link in it. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's talking about things like that. And if we really trust in sovereignty of God, we'll be getting on planes. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, when I first started this, I, I've told you the story. I used to hate flying. I was terrified yeah. of it. I, just a deep phobia. Um, and God's, you know, goodness me, I've been able to overcome that. I couldn't do what I do without it. Yeah. People say, why do you fly around the world all the time? You know, your, your, your carbon footprint's bigger than a small African nation. Um, <laughs> but I think there is something about presence. Yeah. You know, the, Lord, the Lord calls us into a place of community. And when there are people who are slogging away and nobody really sees them, nobody um, uh, values them, and but somebody comes in and just spends some time with them and spends, um, you know, just really blesses them, brings them all together, um, there is something that the Lord does in that moment. Of this, there's something that is created by by presence, by by Christian presence in each other's lives. Um, and just pray that we can just kind of spark that in each other, just spend more time with each other. Um, and I think whatever COVID taught us, one thing that did teach us, both in the uh, in terms of the value of the local church, but also in the role of of us as Christian leaders, is that we need to actually be in the room with each other. Um, um, there's something that happens when uh, Christians sit side by side, break bread together, sing songs together, hear the word of God uh, together. There's something that you cannot replace that. And that's something that Medhurst is wanting to do in partnership with Acts 29 Church in Hard Places. And uh, I, I just missed out on a trip to Madrid there. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But that, that was exactly what happened. You, you had pastors from the US and Canada and South America, Africa. Uh, Europe coming together, having that fellowship, and I was part of that Madrid Madrid WhatsApp group, and I was sitting. Yeah, yeah. You can see it, can you? Yeah, yeah. I was gutted that I wasn't there. I thought, man, why, why have I missed this opportunity? Yeah. It was my own yeah. fault. I didn't go, and I and I I, I was sat at home, saying, my wife, look, I could have been here, but that's what we want to see, isn't it? So uh, again, what's the steps of becoming uh, a church in hard places? Church. Mm -hmm. what should we yeah. be encouraging people to do yeah so there's two ways one is if somebody is already in a hard place so again a, a 
place of, of poverty that's relative, but in, in the UK, that'd be a council estate or a poor community or a remote rural place, or maybe a place that's unengaged, unreached. It's just a place to do ministry that's hard. If, if somebody's in a, a context like that, then just reach out to, uh, let's go to x29.com. There's a tab that says, where are we working? Church on Places got a tab there. You can, you can uh, reach out to me there, or you can uh, sign up to join our apprenticeship cohort. Um, uh, the apprenticeship is, a, uh, for most people, it's a two-year program. We send you a book a month. We uh, have a monthly a virtual meeting with, with people in your region and then we have an annual get together um, in your region as well and so it's totally free um, anybody can do it if uh, if they are in that kind of context and so we'd love to um, get others plugged into that or maybe you're a church that wants to plant into a poor community and so you, maybe you're not in a poor place but you have a heart for reaching the poor in your own city then reach out to us maybe we can do a workshop um, in your church help you think through um, how to do that well. Maybe there's somebody in your church that we could put into one of our cohorts. Awesome. Oh, cheers, Matthew. Thanks for uh, spending time with me and I look forward to seeing you in the new year, brother. Yeah, well, will see you, I guess, yeah, yeah. next early, early in the new year. Nice one. God bless where I see you soon. Okay, see you.